Hello and welcome to the Flex. It's Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie. It is Monday, March 7th. We're well into March, Joe, and it feels like it. We got the weather's nice outside. We got high quality basketball, biggies tournaments this week. Oh boy, am I ready for this? Yeah, Matt, there's something in the air, you know, and, and it's not the warmth. It's like the the murmur of conference tournament week. Um, it's hope. I'm so excited. It's in the air. We haven't been to a full fleshed Big East tournament since 2019. Um, you know, we got we got teased with the 2021 the rug was pulled out. The 2021 tournament had no fans. So we're coming in hot to the 2022 Big East tournament. Fans, COVID restrictions are going down, and, and you know, quality basketball is at an all-time high for the conference. So let's get into it. Yeah, I am very, very excited for this week. We got a lot on tap in the show. We're going to talk about the Big East tournament. We're going to talk about the Friars, the AP poll, Big East awards that came out. But first, Joe, we had the last day of the regular season on Saturday, no Friars games. What were your takeaways from that day? What did you learn? Was there, were there any interesting things you picked up on? Um, it seems like everyone that was supposed to win won. Um, special thank you to Creighton for losing and keeping UConn on the other side of the bracket. Um, but no, I, I, I mean, it, all 10 teams played except for Providence. So, you know, there, there, there was a lot of basketball, a lot to digest and take in. But realistically, you know, I, I think that day went as expected, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, there are no major upsets with the only DePaul, one Georgetown was, or Butler. I think the only upset really was Seton Hall going and winning at Creighton. And that was pretty much a toss up of a game. Anyway. Yep. So, yeah, and that, like you said, that put UConn into the three seed with Creighton as the four. We're going to get to the bracket implications of that later, but that could potentially be really big for Providence for a potential Friday game. But also this weekend, Big E's first team, second team, honorable mentions, and all freshman team were announced. And then this morning, we had Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Player, Sixth Man in Sportsmanship Award. I'll go through the list in a second, but the real headline here, Friars coming away with three awards from this. Two guys on the second team and Jared Bynum winning the Sixth Man Award. I don't think there were a whole, I don't, I don't think there was a lot of shocks there. Your first team, RJ Cole, Adama Sinogo, Justin Lewis, Julian Champagne, Jared Roden, and unanimously Colin Gillespie. We, we expect him to win player of the year later this week. Second team, Ryan Hawkins, Javon Freeman-Liberty, Jared Bynum, Nate Watson, Justin Moore. Kalkbrenner, Daryl Morcel, Posh Alexander, and Jack Nunji got honorable mentions. And then for the all-freshman team, Jordan Hawkins from UConn, Trey Alexander, Ryan Nemhard, and Arthur Kaluma, all from Creighton. And then Amina Muhammad from Georgetown and Cam Jones from Marquette. Yeah, I, I mean, no real shocks. Um with respect to, you know, statistical performance of the players in the first and second team. Um, I, I mean, you know, it, it's always, you know, a, a bit of a burn when 
you win the the Big East regular season title and none of your players are selected to first team, especially when in a lot of these pregame and postgame pressers and interviews, you hear the coaches sing praises of Watson, sing praises of Bynum. Um, I get it. You know, Bynum didn't really turn it on until the second half of conference play, which is fair. Um, Watson statistically has taken a step down from last season, but I think his impact has certainly gone up. He's the top of everyone's scouting report, but um you know, it is what it is. What it is is a chip on your shoulder going into this week. Like, yes, you won the Big East regular season title, but uh, a lot of the coaches don't respect you enough to put you on the first team. So, listen, an accolade is an accolade. It's still something to hang your hat on and be proud of, especially for Watson and Bynum, specifically Bynum, who's won two awards now. Um, I think six man of the year is well-deserving for him. I think that one was a, a layup, if you will. But, yeah. you know, a, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder going into into conference tournament week, you know. The, the coaches have spoken and um, if you want to take the inconsistent Julian Champagny and put him on first team, that's fine. Um, I think, you know, Jared Roden was a guy who was similar to Watson, who's kind of done his job and done it correctly. But Seton Hall also underperformed expectations. So um, I, I have mixed emotions on it. And I'm happy for Nate and I'm happy for Jared. But at the end of the day, if you're the team that won the outright regular season title and none of your players make first team, I, I think that is worthy material to go into this week with a huge chip on your shoulder and once again, prove yourselves. As far as I'm aware, this is the only Big East champion to not have any first team players. I it could be wrong. Uh, that's that's what I've heard. That's the word on the street. I think it's also worth noting Gillespie was the only unanimous player on the first team. Which means some of these guys on the second team, presumably some of these honorable mentions, got first team votes of some kind. And, I mean, the gap between Watson and Adama Sonogo is razor thin. You could you could flip a coin when you're deciding which one of those guys is first team and which one's second team. Sonogo had the better stats. Watson is an amazingly impactful player and got first team honors before the season even began. So it, I, I couldn't fault the coaches with going with either one of those guys for first team. I think the way Bynum played down the stretch was worthy of first team, but like we said, it was down the stretch. He didn't hit that stride until later on. And I mean, RJ Cole has had a fantastic season. I think realistically, a fully healthy is Javon Freeman Liberty, who's going to be the first team guard instead of RJ Cole. Led the Big East in scoring. He was just hurt for a lot of the year. And that's going to really hurt your odds of winning that. But yeah, I. If Providence does end up meeting UConn in the Big East Championship, I think they're going to remember that it was Providence's guard and center that were on the second team and UConn's that were on the first team. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Um, to your point about Javon Freeman Liberty, I've seen a lot of DePaul Twitter activity this morning um, over the past couple of days about you know his status and where he stands. and. I, I think it's warranted. He's a very, very talented player, led the Big East in scoring, but he he only played a handful of games. You know, you, you got to take that into missed, consideration. Yeah, I think he missed seven games, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. And you know what's yeah. incredible? He missed seven games. He still scored over 500 points. Uh, he was yeah. top three in just volume scoring in the Big East, missing that much. So, I mean, uh, an incredible season, but I'm not going to fault the coaches for, for putting them where they are. And the exactly. other thing with this, I mean, this is – this is the coaches voting on this. So, I mean, I have my my critiques, my criticisms of this list, but the coaches know a lot more about basketball than I do. And there weren't a whole lot. There's no there's nothing egregious here. So I'm not going to have a whole list of complaints. 
The other thing, I think the Friars probably feel a little bit disrespected by this, and that'll add to motivation. But also, this is a team of guys who are 23 years old. I mean, these are veterans. They're playing for a championship this week for a conference tournament. I don't think they need extra motivation. If these guys can't get up for this kind of game, I would be shocked. Extra motivation helps, sure. But this is a team that's been hearing it all year, and I, I don't think they need anything outside the building to put in the work that they need to do to win games. No, that's a great point. You know, the, the guys on this team it, were assembled uh, for the common goal. That's been the narrative the entire season from the inside is that, you know, they're not playing for egos. They're not playing for awards. They're not playing for NBA prospect potential. They are playing for the common goal, and that's to win. It's to win a Big East regular season championship, a Big East tournament championship, and so on and so forth. This team just wants to win. They want to rack up wins. They want to to, to reach the team accolades, which is championships. Um, so, again, you know, you're right, Matt. This team doesn't need any external motivation. But with that said, this team certainly used the preseason standings as external motivation to drive them to where they finished uh, last Saturday, Saturday the 26th. This team uh, undoubtedly is going to use the lack of first team all Big East presence as some shred of external motivation to to perform at their highest level of the season come Thursday. And I have no doubt. I mean, Nate Watson, he knows. I mean, part of this, Watson, I don't think, had the year he expected he would have. He, I mean, by no means has he had a bad year. He's the best player on the team, and the offense runs through him. Statistically, he was down a little bit. Part of that is a better supporting cast. Part of that is that he had some rough games. He had rough games against Xavier, which we're certainly going to be talking about in a little bit. May become very irrelevant by Thursday afternoon. But, I mean, it's these are all good players. There were fantastic players that got snubbed, I thought, around the conference because the Big East is that good this year. No Tyrese Martin, no David Jones anywhere on here, no Paul Scruggs. These guys didn't even get honorable mentions. So, I mean, and there's a lot of Friars who played really well this year. There, I mean, there are six Friars that could have uh, at least had a discussion for an honorable mention. And I mean, there's just too many good players to go around. So that's the way it is. The individual awards. We already talked about Jared Bynum for Big East sixth man. Justin Lewis won most improved player. I thought that was well-earned. He had a fantastic yeah. season, put himself into the player of the year conversation as a sophomore. Uh, I, honestly, one thing I kind of thought about, I think Adama Sonogo also could have been in the conversation for that. We don't see how the votes break down here. I think Jared Bynum could have been in the conversation. I don't see Jared Bynum getting it when he already got sixth man and second team. Yep. Uh, the sportsmanship award went to Donald Carey at Georgetown. And then probably the most controversial name out here was Ryan Kalkbrenner for Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Justin Minaya would have gotten my vote here. I don't know. What was your read on this, Joe? Uh, yeah, uh, Kalkbrenner as Defensive Player of the Year is absolutely mind-boggling to me, if I'm going to be totally honest with you. I mean... What, because he's the tallest player in the conference and blocks the most shots? Like, that is appropriate and accurate. That's what you're supposed to do when you're over seven feet tall. So he's being rewarded for his genetic gift. That's my takeaway from this is because he's genetically gifted over everyone else in the conference and he's tall and lanky and can block shots, he gets defensive player of the year. We're going to completely discredit guys like Justin Minaya who is arguably the best on-ball defender in the league, or guys like Posh Alexander who do a great job guarding the backcourt. Like, 
my my the thought process that went into voting for Ryan Kalkbrenner for Defensive Player of the Year completely shocks me. If I'm if I'm just going to be completely honest, um, yeah. I, again, like it, it, it was a it was a toss up between Manaya and Posh for what seemed like a majority of the season, and Kalkbrenner just comes out of the blue here. He wasn't even in yeah. conversation at some points. When I think this is something, I mean. When I saw this award, it made me think, all right, I think I got to go back and watch some Creighton games because the coaches do have at least have some idea what they're talking about here. And I want to see what they see. This is a Creighton defense that efficiency wise was the best in the conference, uh, had the lowest shooting percentages against and was the best paint defense in the Big East. So I can see on that merit. All right. Kalkbrenner is the leading guy in that unit. He's getting the most blocks. I see that. And rim protectors are an incredibly valuable thing. I would yes. go Justin Manaya because of the the value he provides up and down the lineup, the number of different people he can guard. I think Posh Alexander with his steals had a, a great shot at it. I think Isaiah Whaley put together a great defensive campaign after winning co-defensive player of the year with Posh Alexander last year. I think yep. the reality is when you're putting together this, you could have an all-defense team in the Big East. There are so many great individual performers. I was shocked to see Kalkbrenner's name. The more I thought about it, the more I've come around on it. He wouldn't have gotten my vote, but I'm not that upset about it. He probably would have been fourth on my list, but any of the top four, I think, could have earned it. No, I think that's a good point, Matt. I, I think the all-defense team is a great way to look at it. Um, objectively, if I look at the four that you mentioned, Kalkbrenner's last, like you said. Um, and the reason it's shocking is just because I, I feel like there's so many better picks ahead of him. Um if Ryan Kalkbrenner was stretching the floor and guarding guys on the perimeter, that's fine. But like you said, like he's an interior shot blocking presence, which is what you're supposed to do when you're seven foot plus. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're going to see how I mean, this is a Creighton team that's kind of on a little bit of a skid entering the tournament without Ryan Nemhard right now. So I guess we're going to see how much Kalkbrenner can do defensively. They're going to go against Marquette in the first round, and that's going to be a really interesting assignment for Kalkbrenner. We'll get to see that one firsthand. I'm excited for that one. Um, but yeah, it's it is what it is. Like I said, it could this provide a chip on the shoulder of Justin Manaya? Absolutely. Does he need it? No, I, there's no I don't think there's a player on Providence that tunes out the noise more than him. I mean, he's just so locked down, so laser focused in every game. And he I mean, he won Big East player of the week earlier this year simply for his defense against Xavier and against Marquette that one week. So this is uh, again, it is what it is. Yeah, good point. Yeah. All right. I think we should talk about this Big East tournament. And I want to talk about the bracket. But I had mentioned there Friars beating Xavier and Marquette in one week. That at that point was the biggest week of the season for, for the Friars. The way this bracket checks out, they may have to do that again if they want to make the Big East tournament championship. The way it, uh, the way it plays out, the games Wednesday is the 8-9 game. That's going to be between Butler and Xavier. 4.30 on a Wednesday. Winner of that's going to play Providence. Later that night, the 10-7 game between DePaul and St. John's. The winner will play Villanova. And to cap the night, the late game, Georgetown and Seton Hall. Georgetown, finishing the regular season without a win. They have not won since the Big East tournament last year. Can Patrick Ewing find a little bit more of that fairy dust that they got last year in that run? 
Winner of that game will play UConn, and the 4-5 game, which is locked in stone, 2.30 p.m. on Thursday. That'll be number five Marquette against number four Creighton. We could talk about Providence, but before we do, did you have any other thoughts on this bracket and the way it plays out? You think it's particularly advantageous for any teams in here? I am going to say no. Uh, to Looking at it objectively, um, I don't think any team has a clear advantage here. You know, St. John's DePaul, you know, don't sleep on that game. That's going to be a high-quality basketball game. And whoever wins that game is likely going to give Villanova a run for their money. Um, Seton Hall, Georgetown, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a layup for Seton Hall, unfortunately. And listen, you know, Georgetown won the Big East tournament last year after an underwhelming conference play. It's going to take a, a a real miracle for them to overcome a winless regular season in the conference to to make some some leeway into the tournament. That, that's like a real miracle there. But hey, crazier things have happened. Um, so whoever wins that game gets UConn. Xavier Butler, I think, is going to be tight. You know, these are two teams that. Um, have kind of a similar profile at the end of the season here. Xavier's been skidding, and they've been skidding hard. Uh, we, we often refer to them as spiraling. You know, this is something that we've seen out of Xavier the past couple of years is, you know, a, a late regular season skid into the Big East tournament. So that's good. this is going to be an interesting narrative and storyline to watch for the Musketeers. Butler, who hasn't seen a lot of success in the Big East tournament, also in, in a very similar profile as Xavier, you know, struggling to win games, you know, not the most efficient team. This is going to be a rock fight between those two. And to be completely honest, I think who, regardless of who you get, both of them took us to the wire. So uh, especially recently. So I think for us, you know, it, you talk about who you're going to draw, who you're going to draw. Either one of those is going to be a nightmare of a game. So would I, who would I prefer? Butler. But that that's by a, sh- by a hair, like the razor thin margin. I would prefer to play Butler. And it, it kind of feels like this should be Xavier's game to lose. Xavier, for as rough as Xavier played down the stretch, losing five straight games, they blew out Georgetown. They played what might have been their best game of the season against Georgetown on Saturday. Obviously a weak opponent, but this is something we've been looking for Xavier to do all year long kind of actually put it all together at the same time. Nate Johnson, yep. he knocked down seven threes. So that was that was huge for them. If they can carry that confidence into the Big East tournament, Xavier might be the most dangerous team. They, in some ways, have the most favorable setup. They get a Butler team that they already swept. They get to play a Providence team that they played down to the wire twice instead of having to go through a Villanova team that's had their number. And the 4-5 is Creighton Marquette. Not that either of those teams are anything to sleep on, but if you're Providence, Xavier, or Butler, you would rather go <laughs> through one of those two teams on the way to a Big East championship than a team like Seton Hall or UConn on the other side of the bracket. Seton Hall team that comes into this playing very, very good basketball right now. I believe they've won they've won five in a row, and they've won eight of their last ten. So you don't really want to mess with Seton Hall at this point in time. I actually have Seton Hall upsetting UConn after beating Georgetown. Great, great point, Matt. You know, Seton Hall's a team that has is no stranger to the Big East championship game, um, the Big East tournament championship game, excuse me. But Seton Hall, usually their fans travel well. I mean, it's 20 minutes from the Garden. Um, Seton Hall is, is, I think, a sleeper to make it to Friday. Uh, I think that's a good point, Matt. Yeah, I like that'll be interesting. I think Villanova should easily make it to Friday, whether they're playing St. John's or DePaul. 
I, I don't really think either team is going to be able to challenge them. Villanova is far better than Wolf. So I think, yeah, I mean, that game should be a sure thing. Marquette Creighton, I think it's going to be interesting, but Marquette has been iffy outside of their seven-game win streak. Creighton has been very good, not as good away from home, and they're without their starting point guard right now. I think that sets up really favorably for Providence at the moment. They're able to beat whoever it is that they draw at noon on Thursday. They should have, they should at least be favored in that Friday game. They may may even have an easier draw in the Friday game than the Thursday game if it's Xavier that they're getting. Yeah, I I think um, I'm going to bite my tongue on that one just because, you know, Marquette gave us some trouble. um, And we've only played Creighton once. So, I mean, the sample size is we beat them by 21. um, So we'll see. Yeah, that's a good point, Creighton playing away from home. But um, I'm going to bite my tongue on Friday for now just because you know how I get looking ahead. Yeah, because um, right now we don't even know who we're playing Thursday, and my temperament and tone is going to be different based on Xavier versus Butler, whoever wins that. So we'll see. I would absolutely prefer Butler. Um, but again, you know, this is, like you said, this is Xavier's game to lose on Wednesday. Yeah, and this is Xavier's a tournament team, a tournament caliber team, tournament talent team. They, I think as long as they win on Wednesday, they should make it to the NCAA tournament. That's kind of my read on the situation. They're a bubble team right now. That win gets them in just to show that, okay, you can beat up on the teams you're supposed to beat up on. If they beat Providence, they're absolutely in. Yeah. Without, without a doubt. They'll probably move them up to a 10 seed, maybe even a nine seed. They're projected as an 11 right now. But yeah, I mean, this is a Xavier team that's going to come in. I, I think Xavier beats Butler, and I don't think it's close in that game. I'm kind of going on the assumption that the Friars are going to play Xavier, which is dangerous because I know I'm going to assume that and Butler's going to end up winning this whole tournament. But <laughs> I think that's a stretch, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Butler is going to win the Big East tournament. That would be a shock to everyone. But yeah, we're going to do uh, a podcast pretty much immediately after that game on Wednesday to preview whichever opponent Providence does get on Thursday. One thing we do know for sure on Thursday, though, Al Durham will be playing. That was confirmed this morning. John Rothstein's put that out there that Durham's going to be good to go. How he's going to handle the back-to-back days, I don't know. But they need him. The Friars struggled against Butler without him. And if you're playing a team like Xavier, you're going to need all hands on deck. They needed all hands on deck the second time around. And that was when Xavier. It's funny. Xavier didn't have Nate Johnson for the second game. The Friars didn't have A.J. Reeves for the first game. Both games still went down to the wire. Both of those teams. I mean, if Providence plays their A-plus game, they'll beat Xavier. Anything less, and it's going to be a real close game. Um, Real quick, before we wrap up here, I know we're going to do an in-depth preview. Give me... 30 seconds each on each opponent Providence could play on what you think the game plan is going to be and what Providence's path to victory would be. I'll, I'll just go in seeding order. If Providence is to play Xavier, I, I think, um, you know, their, Xavier's defensive game plan did not stray too far from what it was the first time around, the second time around. Uh, they're just going to throw bodies at Nate Watson. So if Providence get Providence gets Xavier, you know, you got to get Reeves the ball. You got to get Horkler the ball. You got to get Bynum the ball beyond the perimeter and look to beat them with shooting from long range, uh, similar to what we did against Villanova uh, last weekend or last week. Excuse me. If Providence gets Butler, 
you just have to pound the paint with uh, intense authority because Nate Watson is severely more talented than both of Butler's bigs. Um, that seemed to get things going, you know, and I think against Butler too, if you do want to pound the paint, throw Ed Croswell in there because then it's going to give you a different look against them. Um, but if you play Xavier, you're going to play outside in. If you play Butler, inside out. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. We saw Watson have his worst games of the season, some of the worst games in his career since being a freshman against Xavier. So that's going to be the key for that. And obviously Butler weak on the inside. That's how you got to attack both of those teams. We'll find out by approximately 6.30 on Wednesday. Probably when you're sitting down for dinner Wednesday night, probably know who the Friars are playing at noon on Thursday. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add on the Big East tournament bracket here, Joe. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm super excited. I, as I look up and down this bracket, you know, I don't see a ton of separation between teams, which I I think makes for one hell of a conference tournament. Uh, objectively, aside from the Big East, I think when you look from one to even eleven, I'll include Georgetown. When you look from one to eleven, and you think that, and you see like, you know, each of these games is winnable for either team. Uh, I think that's a sign for you know some high quality basketball to be played at Madison Square Garden. Um, St. John's DePaul is going to be a good game. Hell, even Seton Hall, Georgetown, you know, you, you got to think Patrick Ewing is preaching to his guys. Look what we did last year. You know, let's shock the world again. Um, mm-hmm. That would be one hell of a storyline for him and would lock in another contract extension, I bet. But <laughs> um, there, if there is one thing I'm thankful for, it's that Villanova and UConn are not on our side of the bracket until the final. Um you know, let those two duke it out. You know, <laughs> that's all I yeah. gotta say. Yeah, uh, uh, what I what I can say right now is just we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna be there all week for media stuff. So we'll be we'll be podcasting live from the garden. You'll be getting articles from us. You're gonna want to stay tuned for all that. But just being there, part of me is really really hoping we get a Villanova UConn game at nine o'clock Friday night because that I mean. That's going to fill the stadium. There's going to be so many fans there for that. And that's going to be really high quality basketball. That's going to be so entertaining to watch. Especially, too, with the way things went down last time. Danny Hurley getting ejected, UConn winning and storming the court. Um, that that If you get a Villanova-UConn rematch, that's going to be some entertaining basketball for sure. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about the environment at MSG this week. This is going to be intense. Yeah, since 2019, it's been 2019, Joe. So this is a long time coming to get an environment like this. I mean, there was you know, there were fans in 2020, but just for Wednesday night. So I'm not really counting that for this. No, it, that half counts. No. Uh, while we're going back in time, Joe, sure you saw the memories on Snapchat and whatever this morning. Two years ago today was our last game broadcasting Providence against DePaul. Yeah, that was that was a wild memory to wake up to. Um, two years ago today was Providence's route over to Paul in the regular season finale on senior night when they reached their 12th Big East win, which was a school record. Um, Little did we know two years later, we would break that record with two more wins, win the regular season championship and be the one seed in the upcoming Big East tournament. Um, So, hey, that 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 2019, 2020 team was a team of destiny. um, And this team looks to to pick up where that team left off, hopefully. Yeah, that's the goal right here. 
One last thing before we wrap things up. It's Monday. We have the last, I believe this is the last AP poll until after the season. Fryer slotting in at 11th. It's the third time this season that they have been ranked at 11, dropping from nine after the loss to Villanova last week. The poll was actually super close. The Friars were at 11. Purdue and Tennessee were tied at ninth. Not a whole bunch of votes ahead of where Providence was. If only a couple voters shift things around differently, the Friars are a top 10 team this week, or I mean, a top, they could be sitting there at nine right behind Villanova. It's interesting, too, if you look at the, the way the votes were distributed, there were almost even numbers of votes for Providence at 8, 10, and 12. That's where voters were mostly locking them into one of those spots. That suggests a three seed in the NCAA tournament when you consider that the selection committee looks at other things. Friars are a four seed right now in bracket matrix, which kind of puts all the all of them together and averages them out. They're the top four seed. Make a little run this week. Friars should be a three seed. I think they can do that. But Joe, did you have any thoughts on this last AP poll? I think it's fair. Um, Obviously, you know, my opinion is biased because I'm a fan, but I think losing at Villanova by two without your starting point guard in Al Durham and overcoming a 14 point second half deficit warrants a little more. Yeah, I thought, you know, coming out of that game that we were still a top 10 team. Obviously, other things happen across the country that uh, with respect to other leagues and other teams that that perhaps sway that when it comes to the overall vote. But I'm not I'm not necessarily disappointed. I'm not necessarily happy. I think it's fair. Um, Again, you know, the AP poll is like a power rankings metric. It doesn't mean that we are the 11th best team. It doesn't mean that there are 11 teams better than us. It just it's where we stand with respect to the rest of the field at the moment. Yeah. 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 And that, that's a good way of put it. Power rankings when I mean, they have UNC ranked right now. So I think that says a lot about it being a power. ranking. <laughs> after they went and got the Duke this weekend. Uh, just a couple other notes on the AP poll while I'm looking at it. Gonzaga still number one. Villanova moved up to eight. So Providence and Villanova, for the most part here, just switched spots again. That's what they did the last time Villanova beat them. Um, Friars, one spot ahead of Wisconsin, three spots ahead of Texas Tech. UConn comes in at number 20. Murray State, the Murray State Racers are at 19 right now under the Ohio Valley Conference. This is a team, this is usually a conference where you need the auto bid. Murray State's in the tournament at this point. They could lose that conference tournament and it's not going to matter. This is, they're 30 and 2 right now. That's a fantastic team. And then one other note here South Dakota State. They got 32 votes this week, 27th in the AP poll. If you're doing it that way, watch out for them because I've seen them matched up against Providence in some of these brackets. This is the best shooting team in basketball by far, and they're just outside of the top 25. That's not a team you want to mess with if you're the Friars. Also, Vermont, I've seen Providence matched up against them. The Friars beat Vermont earlier this year. They got three votes this week. Vermont was, uh, you know, Vermont is a tournament team, Matt. Um, As long as they win their tournament, they're definitely in. I'm not sure about auto bid for them. I'm not. I haven't looked into whether or not they'd get that without the auto bid. Here's the thing, though, with Vermont, and you're gonna have to correct me on this if if I'm if I'm mistaken, but I don't think Providence can play them in the first round because we played them this season. So that was that was my reading on things, too. And I did a little bit more research on it, and it looks like that's actually not true. It's a little bit murky since not all the rules are really clear or public or anything. But from what I can tell, those rules actually only apply to conference opponents. 
So because Vermont's not in the Big East, and the the Friars can play them in the first round. Interesting. Yeah, that's. Yeah, here's the thing: of the teams that Providence could play in the first round, teams were getting matched up against. There's South Dakota State, really good shooting team. Um, there's Iona with Rick Pitino, which would be quite a storyline. Uh, there's Chattanooga. Chattanooga is a really good 13 seed. You don't want no. You don't want a part of them. Vermont, on the other hand, is a team that plays basketball similarly to Providence, and the Friars beat them pretty handily before they really hit their stride this season. Of all those teams, I think Vermont's the one you'd most like to see. Yeah, um, especially because you beat them already. You you already had a taste of what they're they're going to offer. Um, uh, I wouldn't mind playing them again. I certainly don't want to play them again. Um, but, but you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. We already beat them once by double figures. You know, I'm sure we can do it again now that we've hit our stride. Everyone has settled into their roles. But, again, Vermont's talented. They are sneaky, very good. Yeah, they are. Um, and just looking, like, I'm looking at the uh, the athletics bracketology from today. They have the 13 seeds as South Dakota State, Toledo, Iona, and Vermont with Providence playing South Dakota State in Buffalo. They have us in the Midwest region. I think as long as Villanova's ahead of Providence, the Midwest region is probably the most likely where the Friars are going to end up out in Chicago. That's not a terrible draw. Better than San Antonio, that's for sure. Um, Definitely better than going all the way out to San Francisco. And if you're in the East somewhere, you're going to avoid playing Arizona. You're going to avoid playing Gonzaga. So again, those I think that is all good right there. The Friars is the top four seed, according to this bracket, which is consistent with other things that I've seen. They're able to get a three seed. It's New Mexico State, Towson, Princeton, and Montana State, according to this, that are there. Much easier teams than those in the 13. <laughs> so if you can yeah. if you can avoid some of the, if you can move up one seed and avoid some of those teams, I think that would really benefit Providence. Again, we'll see what happens. It's all going to come down to what they can do this week, starting on Thursday at noon against Xavier or Butler. This is going to be one hell of a week, Joe. I can't wait. I, I'm so excited. I cannot wait to be back in the garden for, for some Big East basketball for the first time since, realistically, 2019. Physically, 2020 wasn't the same. The, the first real Big East tournament since 2019. Yeah, this is going to be... Whew, I, this is going to be something else. We're going to be there. Uh, we're going to be there for Big East Coast Bias. We'll be over there with Henry Eisenberg as well. So make sure you're following us and subscribe to our content. We're going to be putting out a ton of stuff all week long, and we can't wait for it. So, again, make sure you're there. Make sure you're following the Flex Hoops on Twitter as well. We're going to have our own stuff there. You don't want to miss it. You really don't want to miss it. This is the week. <laughs> this is the Big East tournament. This is where it's all it should be all fun and games there. I, I can't wait for this. I can't literally can't say enough how excited I am for this week of basketball. Yeah, this has been the Flex Hoops podcast for Joe Howie. I'm Matt St. Jean. Make sure you're following us. Make sure you rate us wherever you're listening to this. This is a uh, first we're covering a first place team here. So give us five stars. That's just the way it works. <laughs> That's just the way it works. Best teams get the most stars. I'd hate to be a Georgetown podcast right now because I'm sure they're getting all one-star reviews at this point. But yeah, give us a nice rating. Come say hi to us if you're at the game. We'll be there. Shoot us a message. Just come find us. We'll be wearing a media pass with our name tag on it, so you should be able to identify us wherever we are. And thank you very much for listening. We will have our next episode for you at some point Wednesday night. Probably be a, a quick one with a quick turnaround, so make sure to be on the lookout for that one. Thanks for listening. 
Go Friars. <laughs>